Each year, more than 12 million people will hear the same three devastating words. You have cancer. I'm Lee Silverstein, a survivor of pediatric kidney cancer and stage four colon cancer. My amazing wife, Linda, has taught me that we have cancer because every one of us is affected by it in some way. Survivors, family, friends, and medical and support team members. And we all have a story worth telling. Welcome to We Have Cancer. Welcome to episode 145 of We Have Cancer. Thank you so much for joining me. This is a special episode. Not special in that we're doing something different than what we usually do, but special in the fact that this is our five-year anniversary. Hard to believe. I really just, you know, trying to wrap my head around the fact that five years ago, we launched the Colon Cancer Podcast, as it was first called, and then about two years ago, transitioned that to We Have Cancer But over those five years, I've had the honor and privilege, I know this is episode 145, but when I factor in the interviews that I've had the chance to do at colon cancer, colorectal cancer alliance conferences and other locations, we are far past the 150 interview milestone. And I just can't thank our listeners enough for your support, for your feedback, for your recommendations in terms of who to interview. So many of our guests came via referral from our listeners who either recommended themselves, a family member, somebody they knew, somebody they read about. And that includes today's episode. I'll get to that in a minute. And really, as overused as the phrase may be, we truly could not have done this without you. I never thought when I started this in February of 2015 that five years later, this would still be rolling on like it is. Uh, I didn't really know what was going to happen or where this was going, going to go. But since that time, I've had the privilege of sharing the stories of people literally from around the world, Australia and Japan. You can't get more around the world than that. And, you know, and points in between, as they say, and every story has touched my heart, has taught me something, has inspired me and has helped me become a better messenger, if you will, a better storyteller, because I feel like that's what the opportunity is here is to help tell the stories of those of us in the We Have Cancer community. And here we are five years later. Where we're going to go from here, don't know. We'll, we'll see where this takes us. As, as many of you know, I'm back in treatment yet again. At the time of this recording, uh, we're recording this on Monday, February 17th. I had chemo treatment number three for 2020 last week. And my first scan this year is coming up on April 1st to see what's happening with me. And uh, we'll see where this goes. But five years is just, you know, such a monumentous, monumental occasion for me. And I wouldn't be here without the support of every one of you who has, you know, subscribed and listened 
to this show. You know, I'd be remiss in also not mentioning, you know, the, the hard part of this, and that is the friends we've lost. And, uh, you know, and I was once asked by uh, a dear friend, you know, how do we keep doing this? And this was shortly after one of our friends had passed away. And my response was, we have to keep going. You know, what better way to honor the memory of those folks in our cancer community than by continuing to share these stories? So again, from the bottom of my heart, Linda, my wife, and I want to just thank you for your support, for sticking by us, and for helping us spread messages of information, inspiration, and hope. My guest this week is Pastor Dan Nicewanger. And speaking of referrals, this was another referral. And really enjoyed talking to Dan. Dan is a fellow colorectal cancer patient and is in the midst of treatment himself. And he leads a wonderful community in his congregation. And we talked a lot in our conversation about the importance of community and the challenge of trying to be a community leader and a spiritual leader while also needing to be the one that's cared for at the same time. And how do you juggle that? How do you wear both of those hats? And you know, it's not that easy. You can learn more about Dan by visiting his website where he blogs pretty prolifically sharing his story at danielnicewonger.com. And I know you're going to enjoy this conversation. Join me now for my conversation with Dan Nicewonger. Dan, thank you for reaching out to me and offering to share your story and sending me your book. Uh, for our listeners, Dan's book is titled The Journey Continues. I'll have links to it in the show notes of this episode on wehavecancershow.com. But I really appreciate you reaching out and sharing or offering to share your story, Dan. And where I want to start is I've had a lot of conversations with previous guests around words and language. But where we've gone with those conversations is how people often struggle with knowing the right thing. I'm putting that in air quotes, the right thing to say. And, you know, oftentimes inadvertently, they, they use words that turn out to be hurtful and those kinds of things. But you've got a chapter in your book and it's titled Power of Language. And when I saw that title as I flipped to that page, I thought this was going to be that. And it wasn't. It was about the conversation you had early on with your oncologist and how initially you weren't on the same page and there was something in the words being used there. Tell us about that. Yeah, this was a, as a result of a conversation I had with my oncologist very early on in our relationship in, in May of 2016. And very early on, I was diagnosed uh, stage four colon cancer, and he told me, at one of our, at our first meeting, he said, you have probably less than two years to live. And I pushed for the for that answer. I wanted to know. I'm a numbers kind of a person. So I wanted to know what the outlook was. And that's, he's always been very honest with me. And that's what he shared. And then he, he used words, something along these lines. He says, my, my, my job is to prolong your life and increase your quality of life. And what I heard in that is that you're getting ready to call in hospice. Uh, you know, I, I heard those kind, that was what I was hearing in his words. And so 
the next time we met, which was a few days later, we still, we began our time together and I asked him about those words. And, and I was very honest and said, look, if your only goal is to prolong and to increase my quality of life, you might not be the guy for me because I want somebody who's going to cure me. I want this gone. And we had a very open, honest conversation and he explained what he meant when he used the words prolong and increase quality. And at the end of our conversation, I was 100% on board with his plan. And I felt like, and I knew that he had my best interest at, at heart, but it was just very important to, to take a moment and stop and try to understand his language. And one of the insightful things in the middle of that conversation is he, he stopped and I, I'm a pastor by, by trade. It's, it's what I've done for my work for my entire adult life, or at least most of my adult life. And he acknowledged that my, my life experience was allowing me to hear his words one way, and his life experience was allowing him to, to hear his words in a different way, and we were speaking past each other, and we just needed to, to stop and, and, and speak clearly to each other. It was very healthy. It sounds that way, and it sounds like he, he's got to be a special person to realize that and acknowledge that to you. I, it sounds to me like a, a, not a common quality found in many doctors. I would agree with that. I, I think I have been very blessed to have have met him, and you know, I was I was diagnosed through the uh, ER. You know, I went to the hospital having difficulty breathing, and ended up uh, receiving my diagnosis. Um, you know, a few days later in the hospital. So, how I got paired with him, I do not know. I did not choose him. We got matched somehow. Uh, and I have been been blessed all the way along. He's a very good guy. That's ex- excellent. The the there was one chapter, and and it just there was something about what you wrote when you were talking about. And I had this visual in my head. You'll forgive me when I saw the chapter. It said super pastor. Yeah, and I'm picturing a guy, you know, with a cape and an S on his chest. But I looked at it, and, and I want you to talk about what you meant there. But you know, by by definition, you know, you serve a community, and so what did you mean by referring to yourself as super pastor? Well, I, the, I was talking about in that in that chapter about the the death of super pastor, mm-hmm. and was talking about what it meant for me to be moving and living and serving out of a place of weakness. It was in the middle of one of my rounds of chemotherapy, and I was able to do ministry, continue working all the way through my chemotherapy. It was very blessed in that way, but I had to move very differently. And where I would have previously done a lot of things all by myself, and taken responsibility for things and function and moved as I described it as super pastor. Well, leave it to me. I'll take care of this. No problem. I can handle this. I'll even things that may not have been my responsibility, even things that may not have been correct and right for me to be doing. But uh, hey, if it needs to get done, I can take care of it. Let me let me prove my value and worth 
through what I do, there got there was this place where I just simply didn't have the energy anymore. And it was it was enough if I had the energy to show up on a Sunday morning and be present uh, with the community, share share a message on Sunday morning, and then be around through the week at strategic times. But I certainly wasn't putting in the the hours that I had before. And my wife was, as if she was here talking about it, she would say, yeah, what happened is Dan, Dan stopped working 70 hours a week and started working 35, you know, and, <laughs> and so, you know, 35 or 40. And so what felt like, you know, a lot less to me, she, she looked at it and said, yeah, you're just working a normal job now. So, but that's, that's what I, that's what I meant by that. Yeah. How, how big a congregation? We have about a hundred on Sunday morning. So, okay. yeah. How much was that difficult to <laughs> go part-time? <laughs> it was, I would never call it, well, yeah, for me, it was going part-time. Yeah, it was incredibly difficult. Yeah, 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 it was. It was, so where do you find value? Where do you find worth, right? And and for a lot of us, I guess for me, there, there's been a lot of seasons of my life where I have found value and worth in my doing. And and that's that's not the healthiest place to be. And and I recognize it and I know it, but boy, it's the easiest place to find value and find and find worth. And it's lessons that I've learned from other people, from parents, from culture. But there's the the other piece of of our existence which says, look, there's value in your being. You know, and just and just simply who you are as a, as a human being, there's value and there's worth in that. And I think that's one of the greatest gifts that uh, my cancer journey for the past four 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 years has given me is that I have had the opportunity to grow and be able to see value just simply in my being, not in my doing, because I haven't been able to do as much and. I've been able to to learn to be at peace with that and and rest in that. Yeah, that's how much of that do you you know that that difficulty in letting go is a function of your professional job, for lack of a better word, and how much of that is gender? You know, because guys typically don't want to ask for help to begin with. Yeah. And, you know, whether you're a pastor or a truck driver or a corporate yeah. executive, yeah. that's pretty, you know, that's yeah. a pretty common theme there. Right? It, it is a common theme. I t- when I couldn't, when I couldn't dress myself, that was, you know, the, I got neuropathy in my, in my hands, in my fingers so bad my first round of, of chemotherapy, I couldn't, I couldn't button buttons. And so it was just, I couldn't, I couldn't dress myself. And there's just that, that helplessness. And my poor wife, my wife is my caregiver and she'd see me struggling and she'd come over and she would try to help me. And I would say, I, I, I'm a grown man. I don't need you to help me get dressed. And I'd sit there and I'd fumble and I'd struggle and work at it. And then I'd look at her and go, well, aren't you going to help me? You know, <laughs> and, it's just, and it's that you get to that place of weakness and it's entirely frustrating. But there in the midst of that weakness, my experience is that that's where, that's where God meets you. And that's where God 
you, you draw near to God and God draws near to you. And you learn things, you learn things about yourself that you would never learn when you're functioning and moving as, in my case, super pastor. Yeah. You know, being in that role where it is to serve and to help, that's what you do, mm-hmm. you know, each and every day. And now, you know, you have that challenge of wanting to do that and, and not being able to do it at the level you did before you, you know, cancer became a part of your life. Yep. How, how frustrating was that? It was incredibly frustrating. And you know, I used to do, you know, hospital visitations and everything. And I, when I first, when I was first diagnosed, you know, we sat down with uh, the board of, of directors at the church, you know, we sat down and we, we talked through what this was going to mean and how we were going to travel to get this road together, how we were going to journey together. And the church has been absolutely amazing. And we, and we, we all have grown because of it. And we, and we all see that we all see the ways that we have grown because of it. But one of those first, that first meeting, uh, one of the first conversations we had was, Hey, you know, pastor normally does hospital visitation, but when you're going through eight months of chemotherapy, the last place you ought to be is walking around inside a hospital visiting sick people. So who's going to do that? How's that going to get done? And, and there was this sense of, well, wait a minute, that's my role. That's my, that's my job. That's my, that's my calling. That's my, that's my place. And, and not having that, it was, it was interesting. It was frustrating, but then you found different ways to, to accomplish the same thing, just not in the presence of all those germs um, and all the other stuff that, could possibly uh, lead to me, you know, being sicker than I already was. Sure. In what way, or what, what's the biggest way you feel like you've changed? You know, I asked my, I asked my wife one day, we were driving, we were driving together after one of my treatments. And, and I asked her the question, I said, uh, I said, I've changed, haven't I? And she just started laughing and she said, yeah, you have. And, and I said, well, tell me how, and because I, I thought I knew, but I wanted to hear somebody else tell me, and I am, I am gentler. I am quieter. I have a, I'm a little more patient. I'm not always more patient. I'm a little more patient. I have learned how to say no. I, I have cancer has given me a, a laser like focus. What is extremely important in my life and what is not important? What is worth investing time in and what is not worth investing time in? And I have the ability, I have a much greater ability to walk away from those things, which just waste time or consume time. And put my energies in those places where I think are going to bring about the greatest good uh, in individuals' lives and in the in the life of a the community as the church or the community at large. Do you feel like that community sees the same changes? I do. Yeah, I think they. I think they do. I think there's. Yeah, I think they do. I think they see it in. I know they will talk about my preaching being different. And in what way? They'll talk about my preaching being 
more more genuine, more more from the heart, and more more direct. See, the funny thing was when I was in the midst of chemotherapy treatments, I didn't have energy. And one thing that Dr. Soroha, my oncologist, and I disagree on, he says that he tells me that chemo brain doesn't exist. I, I, I'm a firm believer that it is alive and well, and it is a reality. No doubt. Yeah. And so it, it just, I just, I wasn't able to think. I wasn't able to prepare like I had before. And so I would, you know, prepare to the best of my ability. And then I would get up and I would just share with people, hey, this is where I've been. This is where God has met me. This is where I believe God wants to meet you. And this is where I think we could do some good as a community. This is how uh, I think we can grow as a community. And so some of the the intellectual process of preparing kind of disappeared and it became more of a more of a conversation like like you and I are having right now. And in that in the in those conversations, I think it's more I think it's more genuine, more honest. And people certainly have have seen that difference and responded well to it. Be sure to stick around to the end of this episode to learn how you can get your rear in gear. You said when you met with the board of directors, you used the word, you know, we have changed. So you talked about you. What about your community? How's your community changed? Well, I think that in the past where there may have been a, a sense of, well, you know, we, we pay the pastor to do this. And so we're going to let, we're going to, we're going to be comfortable letting the pastor take care of all this. Let, let them fit into this, this role of super pastor and take care of things. There's been a real sense of, Hey, we, we have, we have things here that we need to take care of to help make everything uh, go the way that it that it needs to go. There's been there's been a couple ministry things that have grown out of my experience, uh, my journey that has been has been extremely helpful. One of them is we we started a caregiver support group at church, and early on, a group of us were together and. I was leading the conversation and I said, look, if, if this is the, if this is the road that, that God has for me, if this is the path, this is the journey that I'm going to travel, then I believe that God is always about the work of redeeming, restoring, and transforming all things for good. And so we need to figure out how are we going to join God in the midst of that? So how are we going to redeem, restore, transform this difficult road that I'm walking down for good? And, uh, and right away, people inside in that group said, well, we need to start a cancer support group and we need to do this and all around the, the issue of cancer. And my, my immediate reaction was, no, we, we were not going to do that. We can't do that because, and I started naming off people with inside the community um, who had lost loved ones to cancer. And, you know, if you're, if we didn't start that when they lost their loved ones, it's, it's not, you can't be doing this because your pastor now has cancer. And so we sat still for a while waiting to see what it was that, that God was inviting us to do. And the more I watched my wife, Nancy, take on the role of caregiver and take on responsibility for stuff that I used to do around the house all the time, but 
was no longer able to do. And then take on added roles of caring for me and getting me back and forth to doctor's appointments and treatments and all of this stuff and still do her job. And there was a point where I was honestly more concerned for her than I was for me. Because as the patient, there's all these people looking out for for me and for my well-being. And so we got together and said, you know, there needs to be a place for these caregivers to get together and talk and share their experience. And as they share their experience together, gather a little bit of support um, and encouragement from each other. And so we have that now. And it's it's a fantastic resource. Tell me what Nancy's meant to you through all of this. I don't... Uh, I couldn't have done this without her. I, I couldn't, I could not have done, I couldn't have done it without her. And I, I don't know what the, I don't know what the future holds, but I know that, I know that she will be there through whatever the future holds. And I know that without her, I, I just, I couldn't, I couldn't do it. And um, she just, she provides, uh, she's just a, a source of strength and, there's the time, the times when I'm waffling, there's times when I'm waffling and when there's, there's weakness and I'm unsure she's, she's there and she's scared, but she's, but she's there and she's present and we just, we walk very well together. So very glad to have her by my side. Where would we be without our caregivers? There you go. Right. That's it. And, <laughs> That's and, absolutely and it. And I don't know, you know, every day I'm amazed when I see people who have to figure this out without that kind of little love and support. And yep. my heart goes out to them, you know, yep. and it just yep. makes me cherish my wife even more too. So, mm -hmm. so a big smile came across my face when I got to the part of the book and I saw the word music because mm -hmm. boy, does music touch my soul. And, you know, it's easy to form pre uh, preconceived notions. So I see music, I know you're a pastor, and I'm assuming that we're going to be hearing about your favorite, you know, Christian bands and gospel artists and all that. And certainly that's a part of it. But that's not what grabbed my attention. You know where I'm going. Uh -huh. That your go-to, and I'm guessing it's probably number one on your playlist, isn't either of those. But it's rock and roll, and it's you too. It is. Yeah, absolutely. It is. Yeah, it is. And there is, yeah, it is. It's part of my childhood, right? It's part. It's part of the childhood. Part of you know, part of what I grew up with. But in their, in their music. There is a, I find a deeply profound spiritual, you know, longing and a, and a spiritual searching, you know, if you have ears to hear, you know, what they're, you know, what they're, what they're singing and what they're talking about. And I will at times just turn on, turn it on and just sit and listen. And, you know, for, for an extended period of time, you know, 40 is one of my, you know, one of my favorite songs and, you know, and it's, it's Psalm 40, you know, and it is, it really is straight Psalm 40. And it's, you know, it's how long, how long am I going to cry out? How long am, you know, am I going to, going to be here in this, uh, in this place? You know, for me, I interpret it. How long am I going to be here with this thing growing inside of me? 
before you're going to before you're going to answer. And I think it's 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 an honest uh, it's an honest cry of uh, of the psalmist and it's an honest cry of uh, of anybody who is uh, going to be truthfully communicating with, you know, with God. Do you find that music moves your emotions? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely I do. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. Mhm. I was going for back back when I was able to I had gone for a run and in preparation for the undie colon cancer run a few years ago and I had a song on and it totally nothing to do with with cancer but it's a song by a group called Bleachers and in the chorus is the line and they shout it out I want to get better uh-huh yeah and it's re- and it's repeated and as I heard it I stopped in the middle of my run and bur- and burst into tears yeah, you know, just yep. just hearing that, and so yep. you know, music I think is just so therapeutic. Absolutely, and I just found that so fascinating that you know there was you too. <laughs> yep, yeah. I've had many conversations about that with when I, especially when I was in the hospital, the nurses would come in, and I'd be there with my headphones on, and and you know they they all end up finding out what I do, you know, that I'm a pastor and they'll come in and they'll ask and they'll go, Oh, so what are you listening to? And they're waiting, you know, they're expecting, Oh, well this hymns, you know, this, whatever. And then I'll answer. Oh yeah, I'm listening to you too. And it always, it always turns into an extended conversation. And then about 15 minutes later, they'll go, well, I'm here to take your blood pressure. I'm here to talk to you about this. Like, okay, all right, now we'll get back. to. The well, story. sure. I mean, what the, the famous song from the sixties, the name of the group is escapes me and it shouldn't is right out of Ecclesiastes. Turn, turn, turn. Turn, right? turn, turn. That's it. Do yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. We, we, yeah. Uh, yeah. Who, who, come on. Who did that? Was that the zombies, the animals? Somebody did that. I, can't I don't remember. remember. <laughs> but, but I, I mean, know, but I know the song. So, yeah. uh-huh. so there's, you know, there's a, there's quite a few well-known songs yeah. that many people may not realize, you know, have a religious biblical foundation to them. Yeah, absolutely. No doubt. No doubt. Dan, this has been a pleasure. And uh, thank you again. And for, for, being so candid and forthright with your story and sharing your experiences. Uh, I wish you and Nancy and all of your community, you know, just good health going forward. And, you know, let's get through these challenges and struggles, all of us, not just you and I, but everybody who's listening, you know, let's all say our, say a prayer for each other and, you know, and, and thank you for sharing that story. Cause I know people are going to be touched by it and we'll be inspired as well. Thank you very much. Over the next six weeks, there are quite a few ways that you can support colon cancer awareness and the colon cancer coalition. Let me first run through the upcoming list of get your rear in gear 5k run walk events starting coming up on Saturday, February 29th in Austin, Texas at Camp Mabry. This is part of the Texas National Guard on Sunday, March 1st in San Antonio, Texas at Morgan's Wonderland. On Saturday, March 7th in Raleigh, North Carolina at Wake Med Soccer Park. On Saturday, March 7th also, this one in Savannah, Georgia at 225 Candler Drive in Savannah. Also taking place on Saturday, March 21st in Fort Worth, Texas at Trinity Park Pavilion 1 Shelter House. Sunday, March 22nd for our friends in Philadelphia at Memorial Hall Please Touch Museum. And on Saturday, 
March 28th, Winston-Salem, North Carolina at Quarry Park, and also same day in Asheville, North Carolina at Carrier Park Velodrome, and in Tulsa, Oklahoma, also Saturday, March 28th at Guthrie Green, and we have a colon cancer awareness 5K run walk. This one is planned by the Native Americans for Community Action. This one's taking place in Flagstaff, Arizona. This is also on Saturday, March 28th. A couple of other events I want to call your attention to. Anybody in or around Beach Mountain, North Carolina, there's actually a, this sounds like a blast, a skiing event coming up on Saturday, March 7th, Beach Mountain, North Carolina. Proceeds for this and all of the other events that I've mentioned all go to Get Your Rear and Gear, the Colon Cancer Coalition. For more information, visit their website at coloncancercoalition.org. Thank you for listening to We Have Cancer, and thank you to our sponsor, the Colon Cancer Coalition, for your support. You can subscribe to We Have Cancer by visiting Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, or Spotify. And you can find us on social media by visiting our Facebook page at We Have Cancer Show and at We Have Cancer Pod on both Instagram and Twitter. We Have Cancer is a proud supporter of Genie's Blue Angels, providing financial support to those affected by colorectal cancer.